Welcome to Muslims Doing Things, a podcast about extraordinary Muslims and their career journeys. Today I have Amina Suleiman. Hi, Amina. Hey, how are you? Good. What do you do? Uh, so I am the director of personnel operations slash pro scout for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, I have to pause. My husband's like a literally lifelong Eagles fan, so much so that I know way too much about this team. Um, I, I was putting green on, not because of you, but when I wore it, I was like, apt, cool, okay. I'm like vibing, I'm like a real Eagle right now. So I, I think my husband will lose it when he finds out I was talking to you, but I'm, I'm so curious about your journey. Um, yeah, like how you got into football, how you figured out somebody was very good at playing, you good enough for the NFL, and um, which is a job that probably makes you very popular. Anyways, let's yeah. let's take during, it from the top. During football um, season. Yeah, during football season, exactly. So um, where were you born? Uh, so I was born in Baltimore, actually, but I was born in the U.S. Uh, my dad came over from Egypt when he was a kid. He was pretty little, um, and my mom was born here. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been here my whole life. You know, it's funny. My, so my parents came in the 60s and 70s, but they're like proper immigrants. Um, and my kids, I, I mean, I was born here. I was raised here. My husband was raised here. He came here very young. But like my kids definitely don't have that immigrant parent experience, but it seems like you kind of avoid, not avoided because it's a bad thing, but you didn't have that experience either. You pretty much had yeah. American parents. Yeah, more, um, I was going to say more or less. Yeah, I guess we're almost like, I don't know what generation you would call that, but I like my mom's parents were, my mom's mom was born here. So like, I'm, it's almost oh. like third generation, but yeah. You're like Dearborn American. Yeah, <laughs> almost. <laughs> You're like Lebanese, Michigan American, like straight yeah. up in here forever. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, like, um, when you were growing up, did you have brothers? Um, how did you kind of find growing up in Baltimore? Uh, I'm just really curious how the heck you became so involved in football, really. Yeah, so so, so I was actually born in Baltimore, moved up to Pennsylvania when I was four or five. So I've been in PA most of my life. Um, I don't have any brothers. I have two sisters. No one really around me was super into football, which, like, this is always a fun story because it doesn't, like, people don't understand how it happened. But I guess, like, I don't know, I'd, probably in middle school-ish, like, late elementary school, I just started getting into football and Eagles football. Um, I remember being, like, at Marshalls with my mom, and, like, some player got cut from the Eagles, and the jerseys were, like, 20 bucks, and I was like, hey, let me get one, let me get one, and he was no longer on the team. Uh, but it was cool, and I was like, this is kind of cool, and uh, started watching football just on my own. Um, I guess I never thought my career would go this way. I think for growing up, as I got to late middle school, early high school, I was dead set on being an orthopedic surgeon. And I was like, sports medicine, like, you know, I can get involved in sports. And um, I went to Islamic school, actually. And I remember I had a teacher um, in our career planning class was like, hey, so uh, what do you like about sports medicine? And I was like, well, the sports. And she was like, do you like medicine? I was like, no. And she was like, you know, there's like probably some other stuff you can do, right? And I was like, huh. And that just kind of like made me think, um, and the, the rest is history. It's interesting. I also went to Islamic school, and I will tell you, my school is very good academically, but we didn't have sports. Like, we didn't really have sports curriculum. We had to leave the school to do sports. Was it similar for you? Did you play the sports, or were you kind of just playing like we were in, you know, the masjid? Right? Yeah, long? I mean, I did, I, I did martial arts. I did taekwondo almost all my life, um, going into, like, from elementary school all the way through high school. We Our school had sports. Like, we had soccer, basketball, fencing. We had a couple, and, like, we had teams that were competitive at times. Um, I didn't play for any of our school's teams, but we had like enough around us, um, you know, for, for kids to kind of get that experience coming up. And so you're, you're doing uh, martial arts, but I'm assuming you're watching football closely, like very yeah. closely at this point, because yeah. you, you have to develop this muscle of knowing what the heck good is versus bad outside of like, oh, that was a touchdown. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, so you're in high school. Um, what'd you go to college for? Uh, so I went in undecided, took like 
kind of was bouncing back and forth, ended up doing business. So I did finance and marketing. Um, but all through that process, all the internships and stuff that I did as my friends were doing like, um, you know, the big accounting firm internships and things like that, I was doing sports internships. So once it came time to graduate, like I had the experience that I needed um, to kind of get into that. So I had done since my freshman year of college, I worked for the Temple football team. While I was there. Um, started off as a volunteer. My like first task was um, our field was getting redone the one year. So we would have to take a bus to Camden from Philly to Camden. We'd practice there and come back. And I would like pass out on crustables to the players on the <laughs> way back. Um, we didn't have like our it's humbling. It's humbling. Um, so that was, that was my first semester doing it. Um, that's, that's what we call other duties as assigned. Um, so that was kind of my first one. And then I stayed on as an intern for the rest of my, uh, rest of my college and then was a graduate assistant once I finished. And is the idea that like, is this very common for people who wanted to get into sports? They like work with the teams, they do sports operations. Yeah. Um, I always tell people, cause like I try and do as many of these like kind of info calls as I can with people that are trying to get into this just cause I know I did a lot of that when I was younger. Um, but yeah, most people like I, we recommend, like if people are in a college that has a football team or not even football, like if you don't have football, but your school has a basketball team or whatever it is, um, it's usually the easiest way to get involved because it's hard for schools to turn down free or cheap help, right? It's students right. that want to experience. Um, so there's like a bunch of different departments. Like I worked in recruiting and operations, there's interns that worked, uh, student interns that worked in like the video department and the equipment department, the athletic training department. So there's plenty of opportunities there. Um, and that's usually the easiest way to kind of get your foot in the door um, as you're in school. And you were recruiting football players. Yeah. So I would say we co- it was kind of like on-field, off-field recruiting. So off-field recruiting was more so like the coaches um, and the recruiting staff were doing like, okay, we like these players. We were more so like, all right, the logistics behind it. So like maybe we were doing like a mailing campaign of like each coach Mm. is going to get a letter or um, once they came on campus, just kind of facilitating like campus tours, visits for when they're there, just kind of logistical things um, associated with the recruiting process. But I wasn't watching football um, from like a scouting standpoint in college. So fascinating. And when you'd graduated, um, what did you, what did you use that experience to do? So. I ended up sticking around with the same Temple football team as a graduate assistant. So um, usually like most sports GAs, you get your master's paid for and then you work while you're doing it so that there were a bunch of us that had done it at that time. Um, That was more so football operations and uh, recruiting, but same deal, kind of like off-field logistics. Um, And then for the team operations, it was kind of like travel, catering, all the other fun stuff. Um, Is there a totem pole? Is there like a totem pole in football where like you start off-field, then you go on-field? I would say like, at least for people, cause I didn't have um, a ton of experience. Like most students and young people that work in football or like for their school's football team are going to come in just like helping with whatever needs to get done. And it's a little bit mirrored in the NFL. We can get into that a little later, but kind of where people just help out with things that need to get done and you kind of graduate into more like football tasks, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of really, it seems like the people who are the most proactive and willing to just roll up their sleeves end up winning. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I say that to people too, is like, you kind of have to be willing to do whatever. And if you really do like this and you see like, all right, this is the future I want. Like you would, I mean, it shouldn't be a, a crazy thing to want to sit for a year or two and have to help out or um, kind of be behind the scenes and things like that. Just as you kind of like build your rapport and trust from coworkers and stuff around you. Really trust. Like it's, it's trust. These are very expensive operations and people need to know somebody can actually get things done. Um, and so you're, you're in college and you're getting a master's. Are your parents like, you know, 
more of classic American parents who are like, do what you love, Amina. Um, <laughs> it's funny because when you talked about like, I guess we didn't have like traditional like immigrant parent experience. Um, I think it was still like a weird thing. Um, and especially early on. Um, so my master's was actually in sports business, which like you already know how that probably went conversation wise with my parents was like, what, what kind of degree? There's all kinds of degrees out there. I was like, Hey, I mean, I got to do what I got to do. And the way that kind of being a GA works is like, it sounds weird, but the master's is like the less important part. You kind of are doing it for the work experience and have to get a master's on the side for like logistical purposes, which is backwards and doesn't really make sense in like the path. But it is what it is. People just need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think in general, especially because I had spent a really long time thinking like I wanted to do science and then pre-med and go to medical school and then kind of going down this path was like different, I guess. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think in general, just, you know, you already know this, the parents in the Muslim community that we like doctors and lawyers and engineers, they're all pretty well paying jobs that are real secure. And we know if there's a pandemic, they're still going to be employed. If there's like whatever the situation is with the economy, those are some pretty like solid, um, just reliable things to do. And I think it was just more the uncertainty than anything. Right. Just we didn't know anybody that did this. We didn't see it turn into a career, just not a lot of um, experience with people that were in it that kind of freaked people out. Yeah. I mean, especially the NFL, I'm, I'm not here to stereotype, but I mean, I've watched enough football games to say like, I've never seen anybody who looks like you running across the sidelines or really playing any role on the field to be super frank, forget the hijab, like even the female part. Alone. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, there's not a lot of women. Um, and I will say it's increased like from when I had started in football to even like stuff that we've seen this year, um, it's increasing um, and it's getting better, but yeah, there aren't a ton of women just period that are in it. Yeah. And so you're getting this master's. By this point, um, do you know, Do you, are you just like, I want to be an operator or, or do you have your eye on scouting? How do you determine what you want to do when you have all this hands-on experience on the field? Yeah. So I loved operations and I was dead set on that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I had kind of, I liked what I was doing. When I was doing my master's and still working at Temple, um, the NFL league office in New York, Um, so I had done an internship there while I was in college for one of the summers. It was like a 10 week thing. They called me and said like, Hey, someone left. Do you want to be considered for this position that's open? So for me, I had liked what I was doing, but I knew that that was probably the next step that I needed just to kind of keep moving. Um, so I left about six months into my GA gig at Temple, um, went over to league office in New York. That work was a little bit different. I would say it was more, uh, like administrative almost, in the sense of like, we did a lot with like player contracts and CBA and work rules and things like that, which again, I guess I wasn't really sure, but I, I was still pretty sure that I wanted to go the operational route. I just kind of knew that the stuff would be important for me. So I went there. Um, I had a boss who was awesome. Um, and he would check in from time to time and be like, Hey, are you happy? Is this what you want to do? Are you learning? Are you growing? And at certain point I was like, Hey, I love this. It was a bunch of incredibly smart people. And I learned a lot but I had missed kind of like the team aspect of what I was doing. Cause I had done that for so many years. Um, and he was like, okay, cool. Like that's totally fine. Uh, you know, we have good relationships with the teams and the work that we do. So if we hear of any openings with any NFL teams, um, we'll definitely keep you posted. So, um, so funny enough at the time I was working, I was still living in Philly when I was working in New York and I would take this bus back and forth every day for like two hours and 20 minutes. It was awful. Um, and at the time, um, 
he had heard of an opening uh, with an operations internship with the Eagles. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. Like I live in Philly already. My commute's going to be cut by 10. Um, so I go in, he's like, you know what, go interview for it. If you get it, it's only a six week internship. So um, you can come back when it's done. Like, it'll be good for your experience. You should go take it. So I go interview um, for the internship in Philly. And it's a lot of people like asking me about my scouting background. And I was like, mm. I was like, wasn't, isn't this an operations internship? And they're like, oh no, there must've been a miscommunication somewhere. It's like definitely more scouting. We would say like, maybe there's 30% ops, but the rest of it's scouting. And I was like, mm, okay. I mean, we tried, this isn't, and I had said, and I was like, I have zero experience doing it. I said, I've been around football. I like to think I'm pretty like smart. So I was like, if it's something I can learn, I'll figure it out. But um, no, like I don't have the experience. And I'd kind of just like left it there. I was like, cool. I'm glad I did it. Maybe something will open later. Um, ended up getting the internship. And, you know, kind of the way that they had explained it to me later was like at the end of the day, you know, we had talked about trust and being able to do the things that aren't necessarily the cool things associated um, with these types of jobs. And they had basically said they had felt it was more of like a long-term investment because they had said, mm. you know, there's candidates that were in your group that maybe had more scouting experience and more experience playing football or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, like, it's more important that you're a good coworker, a good teammate, you can learn, you can adapt and things like that. And they said, like, we knew it would take longer for you to get there, but we felt better about that um, with you coming in as an intern. And how long ago was that? This was in 18. Um, so the internship was six weeks. I did it. Um, again, big, like, learning experience um, for those six weeks. And then they ended up keeping me full time for the year as like a full time intern. Um, and then I've kind of moved up a little bit since then. Um, but yeah. What was that like? So somebody just grabbed you on the field and like, Hey, Mina, that's good. Like you're already watching the game, but like, this is what you're looking for. Well, first of all, how do they train you? Second of all, what were you looking for? I'm sure it's not only physical skills. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a person at the time and I will say like, as an organization, our, the Eagles are awesome with like how we develop our staff and get people up to speed and stuff. So um, like I said, they had kind of been willing, they knew that I was going to have a, a learning curve and work to do and were kind of willing to put in the time with me. So I was very grateful for that. Um, there was a guy at the time who was um, one of my bosses named Dwayne Joseph. Um, he works at the Raiders now. Um, but he was kind of the guy that had stepped up and really been like my mentor throughout the entire experience. Um, and I would sit down with him once a week um, and we would go through a different position. So let's say we're watching receivers. We'd pick like a really good one, a really bad one, and maybe like a really average one. Um, and he would go through and just help me. And I had watched the game, right? So you kind of have some idea of what you're looking at, right. but the harder part was kind of verbalizing it and like how to write what I'm seeing. Um, so we would go through like terminology, describing things. I would write up these reports for him as like practice. He would look over them. We'd send them back and forth kind of just to get me ready. Um, and I would say as I was kind of learning this, and this was really like me learning um, on the side, right? And sitting in meetings and hearing people talk about players I, I guess more of my value was provided that first year with a lot of the administrative things. So whether it was like proofreading stuff for the department or like helping with lists and database and quality control, um, it was more so those types of things that I was actually helping with while I was learning the stuff that I wanted to do. Um, so DJ played a huge part in kind of getting me up to speed with that. And then as I finished my first year and I was in a better spot in terms of like what I was looking at, how to vocalize it, um, I started to get more and more scouting responsibilities every year since then. So um, my first year, maybe I had like a handful of pro teams I was watching, a handful of college teams, and then it kind of just grew from there. And so when you're scouting, you're you're pulling from pro teams and college teams? 
Yeah, so typically, like, most scouting departments are pretty split. It's like you have pro scouts, which are basically, how can we make our team better with what's already in the NFL? So maybe you're trading for someone or free agency um, or putting someone in the practice squad. And then college is like, how can we get talent in the draft? So those guys kind of have um, a little bit of a different lifestyle. The college guys spend most of their year on the road at these schools. Right. Looking at the college players and talking to their coaches. Um, the young, like, interns and scouting assistants typically help out with both departments. Um, and then you kind of like um, specify as you kind of grow into it and people usually pick one lane or the other. Um, so I had done a little bit of both my first couple years. And you do pro now? Yeah. So actually I'm back. So I had done pro, strictly pro for a year. And now in my role that I have this year, I'm doing both. Um, so the the personnel operations is basically, um, I guess, going a little bit back into my operations background, but um, logistics for both sides. So just kind of making sure that everyone's on the same page and just tying the two departments together in terms of like people being on the same page about stuff and deadlines and things like that. You know, it's, it's a lot of responsibility because you're, you're a kingmaker, right? Like the percentage of people who make it from high school or college football to the NFL is, you know, better than me. It's like tiny, like, I don't even know the percentage. It's it's like, you know, getting into Harvard looks like a whiz compared to this. Right. And so and the thing about football that I've noticed from my position is just being married to somebody who's freaking obsessed is like, there's a lot of emotion in the game, right? They, they want to really explain who are these players, who are their mothers, who are their fathers, how were they raised, were they raised in poverty? And now you're in a position where you just have to put a recommendation in and suddenly this person can have a career. And it's a career they've worked their whole life for, but are very likely not to, not to get. How do you deal with that? Do you just like not learn anything about anybody or do you find that learning about them helps you? Or like, are there skills that aren't physical that make somebody a better player? Yep. So I think you had asked earlier just about, you know, things that you're looking for. And I think per position in football, there's different things from like a physical aspect, like a receiver, can he catch? What does he do when he has the ball in his hands? Like how was he as a route runner? Um, and those will be different for each position. And I think when you're looking into the process, whether it's on the pro side or the college side, um, the, the intangibles are incredibly important when you're trying to put that picture together of like, is this a person that we want to bring in our building? Cause at the end of the day, like the most talented players aren't necessarily the, the best people that you want to bring into the building. Um, and I think when in scouting in general, when teams are making decisions, um, to bring people in, you want to look at the whole picture. So, like I said, the guys in college that are on the road the whole year, meeting these guys, talking to their coaches, talking to their academic advisors, um, I think our whole goal at the end of the day is to get the full picture of Mm. what we're getting in the building. So like, it's easy to be in the office and watch the hill and be like, yeah, he's a really good player. He had 17 sacks last year. But I think when you're making a decision to bring somebody in, like team cultures are different depending on, um, you know, what you're doing in your building and what kind of the environment is. And then making sure that you get somebody that aligns with maybe like what the coaches are trying to do and like a vision that they have for a certain position. Um, I mean, even tying in like the medical aspects, like you could have a super talented player that has like torn his ACL three times. And it's like, this could be a great bet, right? We can get him in and he might be great, but he might tear his ACL again. Um, And it's just a high medical risk of like, is he going to be available to play? Um, Mm. So I think it's really the whole picture. And at the end of the day, um, you could have really good players that don't end up good being good teammates. And maybe a really good player comes in and ruins the culture or maybe a player that might've been middle of the road kind of brings a position room together or whatever it is. Um, so I think the entire process is just making sure that we're trying to turn over every stone. And I mean, some of the things um, that 
our scouts do when they're on the road and things that we do when we're at games is like trying to see things that we can't see on film. So we can see him catch a touchdown, but maybe you're looking, you're sitting at the game and you're like, that's weird. None of his teammates went to go high five him. Like, mm-hmm. and again, maybe it's nothing, but it's just certain things that we're like, okay, I can go home and watch on the film what he's doing on the field. It's kind of just more so can we get a full picture based on everything. Which is funny because that's what they did with you, right? Like I find that teams – I played a lot of sports growing up. I find that those team dynamics usually tell a whole lot more, right? And with you, they're like, okay, she's never scouted a single person in her life, but this girl can do it. And we're willing to take the bet over, you know, John, who's been scouting since he was 12, right? Yeah. And so yeah. so, so I have a question for you. It's like I, I work in technology. Um, I scout in a different way, right? So like I, we recruit. And I'm curious mm-hmm. how similar the process is. Like when we recruit – so let's say I'm looking for – a designer. I'm actually very hands-on, so I'll use that as an example of the designer. Okay. I'll go, and I'm actually usually, I don't even get our recruiters involved. I'll look at a million and one portfolios, and then I'll narrow it down to 10. Then I'll send it to our recruiters and say, get them on a phone call with me. Then usually I meet with them. Then they have a technical challenge. They meet somebody else. And there's another person. Then I make the final call, right? Um, so I'm at the beginning of the pipeline, filling the pipe, um, getting those portfolios ready. Is it similar for you where when you put these reports together, there's a panel of people that approve it. What does the process look like after you, Amina? First of all, how do you get in front of Joe Schmo? Like what gets you to look at him? Is it your insight? Is somebody recommending it? And then when you're actually in front of this person, what does the process look like? Yeah, I guess in terms of the the draft stuff, so that's kind of driven by our scouts that are out on the road and maybe they say like, hey, we didn't expect this player to be this good, but I really liked him. And the, those of us who are in the office kind of serve as almost like a second pair of eyes. Like, cool, I'll watch him too. Um, so a lot of that's driven by them. They're kind of in that process. But in, on the pro side, it's kind of collaborative with just everybody um, that's there. So just, you know, maybe we have lists of like, okay, certain positions that we want to spend more time uh, paying attention to this offseason or certain players that we'll have like lists that we look at. Um, at the end of the day, the entire um, pro side, we're turning over all the stones. So it's like we're watching everyone that's going to be an upcoming free agent in every position, even if it's maybe not necessarily something we target, but we're doing all the groundwork. And then from there, it kind of gets more specific as you go on. Are there rules to make sure that people don't butter you up too hard? In terms of? Players who want to be somebody sending you. Oh, I mean, we, I was going to say, we've gotten incredibly creative (laughs) ways. Um, At the end of the day, usually like, it's not hard to find the guys that are being really productive. Um, It's more so the other ones, but like we had, I think we had somebody send us in a box. This was a couple of years back. It was a, a worn cleat with like a resume in the shoe box. And it said like, just trying to get my foot in the door. And we were like, oh, I don't know if you wanted to do a used cleat, but um, I mean, you'll see all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff of people that are trying to trying to get opportunities. Um, but at the end of the day, we're kind of making sure that we try and cover as much as possible that like all the players that are eligible for the draft um, we're keeping an eye on everybody, all the guys that are eligible to free agents, we're keeping an eye on everybody so that like at the end of the day, there might be a player that's really good that we just don't end up taking, but we still have a good picture of kind of what the league is like or what the college landscape is like. And, you know, I'd imagine, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I'd imagine there's some culture where like maybe the coach is the CEO, right? And, and he's telling you what values you want. I mean, if you're looking for somebody who's humble and the other the other um, scout is looking for somebody who will never take no for an answer, like you guys are looking for different things. At our organization, we have our values and we kind of know what they are and everybody has to like level up to these values. How do you guys make sure that you are recruiting people for the same team or do you just find the best based on your own analysis? 
I mean, I, everything is really a collaborative process. Like we're never going to make a decision on a player because there's one person that like loves this guy. It's all like, if we were to really seriously consider a player, there would be a ton of people in our department that have all looked at him and been um, part of that process. So um, yeah, in the draft, I guess it's a little easier because once, you know, we as a department, like have a guy, the way the draft works is like, we just pick him. It's not like we have to convince him to come here because they just go wherever they get picked. Um, in free agency, I guess that's more of um, a situation where we you can like entice people to come because they can pick wherever they want to go. Um, but at the end of the day, like most of that ends up being like cash based if whoever can pay them the highest contract. So um, I guess it's less of like us having to do convincing and more so of us having, you know, to have conviction for guys that we really like, whether it's a college player or a pro player. Um, and then at the end of the day, if we're pulling the trigger on anybody, it's a very, very much group decision. So as I'm putting a job description together in my head, what I'm hearing is like somebody who A, is like really diligent, able to like, you know, like you said, leave no stone unturned. B, obviously somebody who knows the game and has watched enough to really understand body mechanics. What else would you say are the important things required for you to do your job well? Um, I think one of the things that we say to people too is like, because we spend so many hours together in the office and just around, like you kind of just have to be a fit for the organization or a fit for the group of people that you're working for. Um, and I sometimes say that it's more important to be a good coworker than to be a good worker because we're there all the time and being a good teammate to your the people in your department and just kind of like a good attitude around is important. And at the end of the day, if you're organized and detailed and driven and you can learn, most of the things that we do from an evaluation perspective can be taught. Um, and like I said, that's kind of what happened with me. Like I was willing to do it um, and they had given me an opportunity despite not necessarily being ready at that time. Um, but I think um, like I'd said too, like my value that I was providing at that time was in the administrative work that I was doing. Like I was making sure like everything I proofread was going to be perfect. Like every database that I was cleaning up was going to be accurate. Just making sure that the things that I was responsible for, I was doing at a high level, despite them seeming like less important in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think that humility and that ability to roll up your sleeves and do something translates into every field. And there's something about, so that's a skill everybody needs. There's, there's something else you mentioned, which reminded me of something that I went through. And effectively, you went to an internship interview that you were unqualified for. You didn't know it at the time. I had a similar experience. I applied to an internship at NASA when I was a lot younger. And mm. the internship was only for engineers. And I'm not an engineer. But I got mm. the job, right? And like I effectively mm. overreached. And that's something I'm constantly saying is like, don't worry what they think they want. What they really want is somebody who's willing to do whatever the hell it takes to make it successful. <laughs> Yep. So like sometimes it's not necessarily what's on the JD. Sometimes you don't meet the qualifications and like, that's okay. Just like, you know, fight, fight for it. Yep. And I think we see it sometimes too with um, women that want to get into scouting that don't necessarily think they're qualified and like, oh, I don't know if I should apply. I'm like, do you know how many dudes are not qualified that are currently applying? Like, <laughs> you can't, there's a ton. <laughs> You're good. Right. 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 And what do you think when you look at your colleagues and you look at the best scouts in the business, what makes them good at their jobs? What do you wish, like, what do you, what do you aspire for? What are you working towards? Or what's something you have that you're like, okay, like, you know, these are the qualities that'll just make you a dope scout. Yeah. I think in general, like we had said, the, the being able to like watch a player and nail like his skill set or his fit for the team or whatever is important. But I think the people that are good in this industry and that last in this industry are like good people um, and good communicators and are organized and know how to deal with people and things like that. And I think those soft skills end up being super important kind of as people move up too. Um, when you see people um, that are good leaders, it's like you kind of have to be a good scout as you go along in the process. But being yeah. a good leader and a good teammate and a good coworker is so important because, um, you know, one of the things that we said, um, I actually heard 
um, a GM had said to us at the time, somebody works for another team and he said, um, you know, when you're in a spot where you're at the top or you're a leader and you're running a department, like the conversation you're going to have with that intern might be the least important conversation that you have all day, but that'd be the most, it might be the most important conversation that he has all day. Um, right. and I think that's important just making sure that you're dealing with people properly and treating people properly. And at the end of the day, a lot of that stuff circles back. And like I said, it's kind of like a prerequisite, like you should be good at watching players, but there's so much more associated with it, especially since we're in a business that's so relationship driven um, and people driven that that stuff is super important. You know, it's funny, you, you, you work as a job, maybe not because of who you are, but because of what you do, where when you enter a room, a room will change. The, the culture of the room will shift, right? It's like, oh, the scout's here. And people will kind of um, maybe uh, amend their behavior accordingly. And that does make it important in terms of how you treat people. But I'd also imagine um, that you have to also have a good relationship on all levels with the team itself. I mean, I, I don't know what your relationship with the coach is like, but I'm sure a good relationship with the coach matters. Mm-hmm. What's, outside of your ops team, in terms of the actual players, in terms of the coach, what is that like for you? Yeah, so it, I think it depends on organization, like how collaborative or not collaborative a lot of the stuff is. Um, I think as teams go, we tend to be one of the more collaborative ones. So we work super closely with the coaches and especially certain times of year. Um, so one of the things that we do, and I guess I didn't touch on it earlier with pro scouting, is we um, we do this thing called advancing, which basically we basically try and take um, as much off the plates of the coaches as we can in terms of prepping for the next opponent. So let's say we play the Cowboys next week. Somebody in the pro scouting staff is watching the Cowboys. Somebody goes to the game the week before. Um, and we're basically trying to check off all the boxes that we can for the coaches so they can just focus on game planning. So we will prep them on like injuries, how rotations go, huh. um, how they sub players in and out, kind of like all of the small things so they don't have to worry about it. Um, and one of the things that, you know, when we were taught and learning how to do these advances um, is like you can have the most detailed report possible, but if you don't have that relationship and the coaches don't trust you or um, have a reason to think that what you're saying is valid, then there's no point in us doing that process. Um, and I think that was one of the first things that I learned in that in doing the advances is like, you know, having a relationship where they trust what you're saying and there's validity to what you're saying. And you've kind of um, proven yourself in the sense that like you can be trusted and, and you're diligent on what you're doing um, makes that process a lot easier. Wait, so you were in the Super Bowl last week. I was, I was there at the game. Yeah. And your team was like, was the game. (laughs) It was half of the game at least. Yeah. You started in 2018. I, I guess I know a lot about the Eagles. So 2017 yeah. was the last time in the Super Bowl. So yes. you, you started right after. Tell me everything. Like, I don't even have a question to ask. Just spill. Yeah. Like, what well, was I mean, that like? Also, um, so when I, when the 17 Super Bowl happened, I was in, um, I was still working in New York at the league office. And like I said, I had grown up an Eagles fan and just being in Philly and stuff. So um, my boss at the time was like, hey, you should take off and go to the parade. Like, that'll be cool. I don't know when that's going to happen again. Um, so I had taken off work that day. He said, don't get in trouble. I'll see you tomorrow. So I went to the parade and it was, I mean, it was awesome. It was the first Super Bowl Philly ever had. Um, so, I mean, getting the experience to kind of be on the other side of it this year and being there was great. I mean, obviously just crazy how everything ended. And at the end of the day, we didn't win the game and that's pretty much all that matters, but, um, cool to be there. And I think it just makes me want to go to another one and win it even more. Were you, so when you saw some players on the field though, and I guess throughout the season, you see players play and they're players that you either recommended or brought in or took a bet on. What's that like? Like yeah, the field, it, a lot of it's your doing, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's all collaborative. Like I would say, like like I was saying, there's no player that it's like, oh, Mina wants him, we can sign him. It's all like, oh, you like him? Okay, let's have this person look at him. Let's, right. And it's kind of like all a collaborative process. But I mean, it is cool to kind of see the pieces come together. And, um, you know, I, sorry, my cat is meowing at the door because I kick him out. Um, okay, my, kids are, my kids are always it's, making it's, uh, <laughs> It's a uh, it, it's cool to kind of just see like a lot of the things that were kind of in theory and talked about in meetings and things like that just come to fruition and also come together and like we had said like you can have twenty of the best players but it doesn't mean they're going to play well together um, and I think trying to build like a team chemistry and make sure that you have a good culture and environment is just as important and kind of seeing that um, come together where it's not just a collection of good players it's a collection of good players and good teammates and good people um, makes it a lot easier. How, how do you project attrition? Like you, so to clarify, we typically know based on patterns, how often people will leave our organization. You probably know that, but you probably have coaches. Maybe this is true. Maybe it isn't true. Who are like, I don't want this person on my team next year. Mm -hmm. And so like, are these conversations you're having or do you just project for like a certain number of attrition or do you scout anybody who's good? How do you do that? Yeah. I mean, we basically will take like kind of like a broad brush approach and making sure that we watch everyone. So we're prepped if we want to get someone Um, from a different team or a free agent or whatever it is. Um, I guess in terms of like free agency every year, the team has a certain number of upcoming free agents. So like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it just depends like, and there's a salary cap too, right? So you can't just pay everybody unlimited amount of money because we're, we're limited in what we can do with that. Um, So I guess in the sense of like, you need to do what you can do with the resources that we have. So like maybe we have five players coming off the rookie contract and they're all really good and we want to give them all big contracts, but we, financially with the salary cap cannot give them all the contracts that we want or maybe a contract that another team can offer them. So it's going to happen naturally. Um, and players get traded in and out. Players will, um, you know, get put onto a practice squad, called up, sent down. Um, so I would say that in terms of the players, the tough part is too with like with, with coaches. So like, I don't know if you're, um, if you saw, but two, of, so our offensive coordinator and our defensive coordinator just took jobs as head coaches of their own teams. So like, from the sense of like a staffing perspective, the better you do, the better it is. But those are also hot names that are going to keep coming up for like bigger jobs. Mm. Um, so I think it's tough just from all aspects, whether it's from our staff and our coaches um, to our players of just making sure the process that you have is repeatable because you're never going to be able to keep the same exact people from a staff perspective or a player perspective. But you want to have like a process where like, okay, we lost X, Y, and Z players, but we're fully prepared because we have a plan to replace X, Y, and Z players with different resources. How do you onboard people? I guess that's probably the coach's job, but on the operational side, like, so I sign your team today. I'm an Eagle tomorrow. Do you play any role in the onboarding there as well? So not a ton personally. We have um, a player resource uh, director and then a player engagement director who work a lot with like getting the guys up to speed. So like maybe they need to find an apartment or got to get their dog here from California somehow or whatever it is. And they do an awesome job with that. Um, but they do more of like the player logistics. And I would say I do more of like the scouting department logistics for the scouts that work for the team. What what are all the departments and how many scouts are there? Like what does it take to run a football team professionally? Uh, I mean, there's a ton, honestly. So like when you usually like we'll talk about like football side, business side. Football is basically any department that like touches the players in some capacity. And business side is like your normal business functions, so, like your marketing, finance, accounting, all the other stuff. So on the football side, like there's obviously scouting and coaching. We have player engagement. We have the athletic training and the medical staff. Um, There's a strength conditioning staff that gets the guys um, up to speed. We have analytics um, that kind of works hand in hand with our scouting department. Um, But there's a ton of pieces that kind of have to come together 
um, for the whole thing to work. So we're pretty lucky. Um, I mean, I, I think I'm obviously biased, but I think we have a, a kind of a cool setup. And like I said, we're very collaborative in the entire process. So we're pretty lucky. Um, but some of them, they aren't as collaborative or they're more siloed, but for us, number wise, I actually don't know where we're at. Like scouting, I think we have maybe like 25 to 30, um, depending on like who you count as people that are like scouting adjacent to, but then like the medical staff, maybe there's like 10 of them, um, player engagements, a couple, there's also, um, the salary cap people who kind of deal with more of the player finances in terms of like what contracts we can have and have space for in the salary cap. Um, but I would say it's definitely like with all of them, it's probably like 120 plus maybe. And that's not even including the players. It's really, it's yeah. always wild to me to kind of see the business side of it. And when you are um, in this role, what does growth look like? I mean, I think it depends. So like I obviously started as an inter- a six week intern and then um, made it to a full-time intern, then made it to a full-time assistant and kind of moved up from there. Um, I mean, it's all kind of just dependent on like the organization, who's above you, how fast people are moving, how good of a job you're doing at your current job um, and kind of just developing it from there. So it depends. Like our our organization has a pretty good track record in terms of like people moving up real quick and getting better jobs with, with other teams. Um, so like last year we had, I think we had four people leave to be assistant GMs and other teams, which is like awesome. Mm. And like I said, we do a really good job of kind of staff development internally. So it's great in terms of that, that like you're putting out so many good people and like all around the NFL. Um, but yeah, I mean, it obviously means that there's going to be changes every year internally as people kind of like grow and make their way to different organizations Um, so it depends, but I mean, this is my first year in my current role, uh, with the personnel operations and doing all my pro scout stuff. Um, so kind of see how it goes, um, and just how stuff shakes out for us as a department. Is there like a head of scouting? Yeah. I mean, I think our head scout really like the person that runs all of that is the general manager. Um, so there's only obviously 32 of those jobs. And then most teams have an assistant general manager or some teams have two, um, but yeah, it's a process. There's VPs and directors and structures will depend on team, team by team basis too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it is ultimately like a business behind all the game. There's a business. So I'm yeah. always curious to learn about the business elements. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for an average team, like, so you, you had a team that until last Sunday was a team and Super Bowl's over. Um, also, it's really funny that you said it's all about winning or losing. It's really funny to me. That there's no like second place in football. They're technically <laughs> second place. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Nobody else will see it that way. Um, but how much of the team typically do you have to replace by next year at this time? It depends. Yeah. It depends per year, like how the contracts are structured and like how many are expiring per year for the free agents. Um, so I mean, it could be anywhere depending on the team from like five to 20. I don't know how many we have currently, but, um, out of how many, sorry, what, what, what is it? What is a football team? Oh, on the, so, so the team is 53 players during the season. There's 17 on the practice squad. And then, um, usually once the season is over. So what does that add up to? I can't do is that 70. And then during the off season, we can sign guys to contracts. And basically from like now ish until camp is over, we have 90 guys on the roster. And, and then you're, you're, you're cutting them down. Yeah. So from, from training, I guess from now until the end of training camp, we basically have to come out of training camp with 50, 53 players on the active roster, 17 on the practice squad. So like the whole, Time is just a whole bunch of evaluation of figuring out like who are the best 53. 
and you're just out there watching them writing, watching them writing, reporting, watching them writing. Is that what it's like? Or are you finding new blood? I mean, it's, it's pretty collaborative. Like we said, like in the sense of like, we're all involved in it and we're at practices and, um, trying to get a full picture of, you know, how there's obviously different needs in different positions At some positions you need more depth at some positions you need less depth at. Um, and then it's obviously not exactly the same because, uh, when guys get hurt and those spots open, you got to replace them. And maybe it's from someone that's already on your practice squad, or maybe you have to trade for someone or get someone from someone else's practice squad or sign someone who isn't on a team. Um, the 53 roster changes all the time. It's just kind of, um, fluid as guys get injured or get cut or whatever the situation is. It's, it's so cool to like learn about and understand. Um, and how have you navigated being what I can only assume is so different? Again, gender, like we're not a minority as women, we're mm-hmm. half the world. But that's yeah. like one thing, you're like straight up a hijabi, like yep. you're from Philly, so that's good because I know that like Pennsylvania people are a little crazy, no offense. Yes. <laughs> really into where they're from. But other than that, um, how, how have you navigated that? Have you found that you just haven't had to worry about it or have you had experiences yeah. that have kind of taught you how to have a bit of a thicker skin um, and being different in any of the ways? Yeah, I will say, and obviously my NFL experience is limited to just the one team that I've been with, but I haven't really made my way around the NFL, but I've been very lucky in the sense of like, I've never felt different. I've never really been treated differently. Um, And I think it's a kind of a testament to the people that I work with and the people that I work for. I mean, like I said, I didn't think I was qualified first coming in and they kind of took a chance on me um, getting there. And I've been, I will say like, I feel like I've been surrounded with really good people the whole time that have kind of um, gone out of their way and use their free time and their resources to help me as I was growing. Um, and I think that's kind of an organizational thing. And I will say, like, I don't think that's reflective of every NFL team. Um, I've heard stories of people that have had nightmare stories about maybe like the way they were treated or like an awful experience in their city, um, whatever it is. And I think, like I said, women are a minority across the board in scouting. Um, so I think people have had different experiences than I have, but I feel pretty lucky just in terms of the people that I've been with that I, I've really never found it to be an issue. I will say like the only thing we can't do is go into the locker room because players change in there, but <laughs> that just means I don't have to walk in there. So Does that give you a disadvantage? Does no. that give you a disadvantage? Okay. that's No, good. no. It's, it's literally the, the reason I would have to walk in the locker room is if we were like getting a player to go meet with the GM and say like, Hey, he wants to meet with you, but that just means someone else has to do it. So I'm good. Yeah. You're not missing any like important no, talks to kind of help you put a picture together. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and then, it's funny because when I heard about you, I think it was in 2018 when you got your job, like it was the Muslim girl world flipped out. That's the world that I know about. I don't know about <laughs> other worlds, but like literally flipped out. And I remember like looking you up and like your Instagram was pretty hidden and really low key. And I was like, oh, this girl's like not even trying to flex on us. Like she's just <laughs> trying to do her job. But everybody's like obsessed with the fact that she has this role. And you've played a very low key role, kind of focused on the craft and the sport. Um How's that been? Like people love you. I don't know if you know this, but I remember Instagram flipping out. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously like it's cool. To, I think with the Muslim community that's like excited about it. What which is like the same Muslim community where our parents were like, "Oh, this isn't one of the five careers we wanted you to pick." Like, so it's awesome. And I think as as like a community and seeing people um, that that are you know think it's cool is great. Um, at the end of the day, I think in our industry and what we do, um, nothing matters unless you're doing a good job at your job. So even in terms of like, uh, you know, whether it's like a podcast or media appearance, I try and limit it myself just in terms of like, I can do as many podcasts as I want, but if I'm not doing my job at a high level, it doesn't really matter. 
Um, so I think especially in season in our busy times of year, um, I mean, at the end of the day for women, for men, whoever, it's just like, keep your head down, do your job, do a good job. Um, and at the end of the day, like you're, you will build a reputation based on how you do your job. And I think you want to build a reputation based on how you do your job and not how many commercials you've been in or whatever it is that's kind of external. Um, and I, the, the entire NFL is just very relationship based and, um, people learn of your reputation and how you do your job and things like that. And I think you just want to make sure that that's always going to be first and foremost in what we do. Um, but yeah, I will say like, I'm pretty, pretty low key as a person, like some of the stuff that I, that I try and spend more time doing is more of like one-on-one stuff. So like, I'll have maybe somebody like messages me on Twitter or LinkedIn and says like, Hey, I want to get into sports and not even necessarily women, but just whoever. Um, and maybe they need information on like, what's the timeline? What's the best way to reach out to somebody that works for a team. And I try and do as many of those calls as possible. And even though it's not really like large scale, like even if I do 50 phone calls and two of them end up with jobs in sports at some point, like that's cool. And I was one of those people making those phone calls and sending messages out and talking to people on the phone. So, um, I mean, if I can play a tiny, tiny part and maybe helping somebody navigate, um, you know, how to get started, then that's, that's very rewarding. I have no doubts you're doing. I have no doubts you're doing exactly that because this is like so niche. It's so cool, but it's, I would have literally if somebody had been like, "How do I become an NFL scout?" I'm like, I have no freaking idea. And I've come across yeah. a lot of people, and I know a lot about a lot. This is something I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very cool um, for those who want to follow your career, Amina, and you know, follow your low keyness, you under flexing, which is not bad. You know, it's a choice. <laughs> I respect it. But for those who want to kind of follow your career, where would they find you? Um, so I have Twitter and Instagram. I think both of them are public now. My handle is mean, M-E-E-N underscore mill, M-I-L-L. Awesome. I'll be sure to post that in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about your journey oh, and, um, go, go Eagles, go birds. <laughs> I should have worn my jersey, man. What a lost opportunity. You're Anyways, nevertheless, go Eagles. I told you, go I told Eagles. you it wasn't on purpose, but I doubled down. I was like, we're going yeah, to monochrome yeah. as soon as I pick I the shirt it. out. So <laughs> I'm here for it. All right. <laughs> See you, Amina. Thank you so it's much. Fabulous.